I believe God wants to pour out a spirit. Right? I believe the Lord wants to touch us. And, and they talked about in, in a couple of different songs about how fear is wiped away. But, I mean, there's a whole lot of people who are operating in fear. They, they're afraid to step out into faith. They're afraid to step out into really uh, worshiping the Lord. They're afraid to speak the truths of God because of what society tries to do to them, hinder their voice, keep them from living out a life for the glory of God because the work environments, the school environments, so many environments are trying to deter us from being what God has called us to be. But we understand the word of God tells us that he has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, right? And I'm believing that God wants to pour out his spirit, and I'm believing he will pour out his spirit on a people who are sensitive and obedient to his plan, walking in the unity. We can read Acts chapter 1 and 2, and we can see that how they were obedient. We can see how they were walking with one mind and one accord. We can see how they were walking in the obedience of God in unity. And, and, and what does that look like for us? Well, I'm going to get to that on the first Sunday of June. On Pentecost Sunday. But today, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Joel chapter 2. Joel, Joel chapter 2, verse 28. <clears throat> it says, it will come about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh or all mankind. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Can you say that with me? Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Say that again. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on the male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Wow. Come on, somebody. I mean, to think that God has given us a promise, a promise to pour out his spirit you know, when we look at the Old Testament, we see that the Lord poured out his spirit on individuals. He, his spirit came upon individuals in different times and seasons and different scenarios. And, and yet, in this day, God makes a promise that he will pour out his spirit. He has made it available for everyone to experience the presence of of God, the, the pouring out of his spirit on all mankind, everyone, right? I mean, wow. And I've seen how the spirit of fear hinders us from experiencing God. I've seen how there's been a spirit of happiness on some people, right? You've seen somebody in a spirit of happiness? It's kind of like after watching one of Marlene's posts, you get in a spirit of laughter, I heard some of you guys, some of you ladies went out, you know, the other day, and they said they were supposed to keep Marlene straight, but for some reason or another, the cat's out of the bag, sister. What a fun, fun personality and great person. We love you, Marlene. Amen. But, you know, um, there can be a spirit of happiness. Sometimes there's a spirit of sadness and depression. We see that sweeping across so many people. 
right? Sadness, depression. And if you get in the rut, which I have occasionally gotten the rut of looking at the news too much. I don't actually watch the news, but I read. And, and if you read that junk enough, man, it just gets you down. It's, it's depressing to see how society is in decay, how society is in a downward spiral. And if you watch that long enough, it will, that spirit of sadness and depression will get on you, make you feel bad. So how, many ever, how many else has started reading the news and get a little depressed about that mess, right? And it's a struggle to see all of that taking place. And, and yet God says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. The spirit of the Lord, as I said, in the Old Testament came upon Saul. And, and what did Saul do? Saul prophesied. The Spirit of the Lord came on different ones. It came upon David, and David won battles. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson, and he was able to, to smite, that old King James word, smite, defeat. De he defeated the Philistines. So when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon us, it empowers us, right? It allows us to do things that may not seem capable for us to do in our natural self. It moves beyond our natural and into the spiritual realm. Somebody says, I can't do that. And, and the Lord says, finally, I've got your attention because too many times we think we can do this, but without the Spirit of God, we don't have the ability to do this. In the Old Testament, when the Spirit of the Lord came upon somebody, it, it it gave them the ability to prophesy. It strengthened them. It, it's amazing to see how the Lord came upon somebody. It's like their, their whole counter, their whole countenance transformed, their whole ability, their whole mentality transformed, and they were able to do the unthinkable, the unimaginable. Also, as the Spirit of the Lord came upon somebody, it gave them wisdom, gave them understanding. It gave them extreme faith, faith to do the impossible. It gave them knowledge. I mean, understand the word uh, the Lord tells us in Amos chapter 3 and 7 that the Lord will not do something unless he reveals it to his prophets. Think about that. The Lord has obligated himself. Did he have to? No. But he has stated that when I'm going to do something, I'm going to share it with somebody close to me. How many want to be close to God when he's doing something we know about it? Amen. When he is speaking something, we hear that voice. He says that my sheep hear my voice, right? I want to be able to hear the voice of God and distinguish what God is saying to us in today's time. In Acts chapter 238, it says that this promise is unto you. Think about that. This is not some uh, promise that's just for a certain sect of people. It's not a promise just to be given to some elitist group of people it is to be given to every person who is seeking the face of God. How many are seeking God? Amen. Amen. If you're seeking the Lord, he is saying that my gift is for you. My promise is for you. And not only to you, but unto your children and your children's children. Amen. Woo. God bless us. Help us to grab a hold of the power of God, the anointing of God, the, the promise of God. And, and, and when you look at the same outpouring, the same anointing, 
The New Testament shows us that it calls this word power in the Greek dunamis. And we have all heard, many of us have heard that word dunamis means dynamite. Some of you are dynamite, right? But think that that this promise gives us an explosive power, if you will, to be able to conquer the enemy, to be able to overcome all of the things that the world tries to put on us, break free from every chain, break free from every bondage, to be able to cast off the old man and put on the new. This dunamis power is for you and I to live in, in, a, in a love, an agape love that shows forth the love of God in a world that is full of hate and destruction. Amen. When we see this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the immediate results is we see, it says, and, and cloven tongues of fire rested on each one of them, right? It gave them a new language. Gave them a, a, a secret language, if you will. A language that's just between us and the Lord to understand. Thank you, God, right? It gave us the power to witness. How many know that you're called to be a witness? The outpouring of the Spirit was not just for us to have good old goosebump meetings. It wasn't just for us to glory in the preacher who run on the backs of the pews one day. It wasn't just that we had a shout meeting and sister so-and-so uh, shook out her bobby pins in the middle of service. I'm not begrudging or saying that those were bad moments. Praise God for the excitement Praise God for the shout. Praise God for the dance. Praise God that, that we allow ourselves the freedom to worship God when he moves this place. We're not limited by what tradition might say. Well, you can't do this. You can. No, we have the ability to run, to dance, to shout, to shake bobby pins, to glorify his name. Amen? I mean, in old times' sake, we were called holy rollers. We would, uh, the old Church would literally roll around in the brush harbors and, 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 and have these wonderful meetings where even the, 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 the coals in the fire, people would actually pull them out with their own hands. I'm thinking, are they crazy? Wild, powerful moments. But God has empowered us not just to have powerful services. God's poured out his spirit on us so that we could be a powerful service to him. We've called to be a witness. We've been called to, to go out into the world to share the gospel. And if we're living in a bubble, if we're living in a shell, and we're unable to share this voice to the world because we're walking in fear of what the world might say, I wonder, are you really full of the Holy Spirit? Is he really empowering you? Because the Word of God says that, the, that those who are walking in Christ Jesus are as bold as a lion. The righteous are as bold as a lion. Amen? Amen. It gives us the power to pray. Listen, you've heard me talk about Sister Hazel. Man, Sister Hazel, you walk in that little bitty home of hers, 
and it felt like glory. Just you walked in, and, and I, I felt guilty every time I walked in because I probably was guilty back then. Me and her grandson, she was raising her grandson, and we'd walk in, and, and she would be in her closet, if you will, her prayer closet, and just the glory of God would saturate the house. Man, the anointing of God through prayer. How many understand that the Spirit of God empowers us to pray? empowers us to connect because the veil was rent. It was torn so that we could walk into the Holy Holies. He's invited us into his presence, into the Holy of Holies, here in his presence. And in his presence, we see everything transformed. We see our attitude. We see our our lifestyle. We see everything transformed because we want to do everything we can to align ourselves with him. When I... When Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, even though he was a man of God, he said, woe is me for I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell amongst the people that are unclean. Listen, when you get in the presence of God, there's nothing of this world that can stand the presence of the Lord. It has to go. It has to be released. And too many times we want to dabble in the world. We want to live on both sides. We want, to, we want to get into God, but we don't know if we want to get in enough to allow God to transform our lives. We want to get in just enough so that we can feel the, the, the goosebumps. Oh, man, that's good. Well, God's good. But do we really want him to change our life? Do we really want him to do something so amazing and to empower us so great that we might look different in the world. God, help us to live a life of holiness and righteousness and sanctified that we walk in the world and the world looks at us and says, there's something different about that person. We've tried to glamorize Christianity and we've tried to make it attractive to the world but the world but Jesus said the world hated me and guess what they're going to do to you they're going to hate you too let me tell you what the world can be attracted to something that will transform their lives and that's getting a hold of the presence and power of God that is so real that it breaks them out of depression, that it breaks the back of addiction, that it looses the bondage of abuses from the past. Come on. That it begins to heal the, the brokenness on the inside, that, that forgiveness begins to flow through them. And not only do they feel forgiven, but they also begin to have the ability to forgive. That's what the world is looking for. They know what hate looks like. They know what hurt looks like. They know what pain looks like. They know what all of that looks like. And and, and the fact is, is that the world wants to cover up the pig with an old lipstick and a hat. Let me tell you something. The truth of God's word opens us up and lets the, the real come out and says, this is who I really am. And I can't make this on my own. I need the power of God. I need an outpouring of the power of God today, just like they did back then. Amen. Amen. So the power of God 
The outpouring of the Holy Spirit gives us the, the power to witness, the power to pray, the power to discern. There's a lack of discernment within the body of Christ today. When, when there's complete denominations that are turning their back on Scripture and their leaders are in the forefront of idolatry and murder, if you will, because of the views that they've taken and they're not following the Word of God. There's a lack of discernment. They need a once again outpouring of the Holy Spirit in this day, in this hour. I pray that our, our organization, I pray that our local church will remain spirit-filled, spirit-focused, spirit-led, that God is the one that directs our path. It's not a, an agenda. It's not a man's privilege. It's not a man's way. It's what God says. This is what God has called us to be and do. Amen? Amen. We're too busy, let's go have church. When the reality is, is let's be the church. Let's be the church. The church is not just a two-hour service on Sundays where we come and sing five songs and we listen to a message and we go home and we do the same things we always do. It is us being God's voice in the world today because the power of God wants to flow through a vessel of God and we are the church of God to be the vessel of God into this world. Amen. We've got to live it. Yes. We don't just live it on Sunday morning. And as much as I enjoy having church, because yes, I might be a little religious because I like having church. But I also realize that this world is not looking to have church. They're looking for the church to be the church. They're looking for somebody with a, a hand of hope that will offer them the message of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior that will transform their lives. Thank God for the message that was given during the worship time. He is the Lord. He wants to save us. He wants to heal us. He wants to touch our lives. But who are we? Are we just waiting for somebody else to do? Look, this is not the pastor's job. Because he said, I will pour out my spirit on the pastor. Oh, that, that ain't what it said. I will pour out my spirit on some flesh. Just the men. Huh? I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. All. Every one of us are called by God to stand in the gap for this world, for our loved ones, for those who are broken, for those who need Jesus. Guess what? Somebody stood in the gap for me. Somebody stood in the gap for you. Somebody loved you. Somebody prayed for you. Somebody was anointed enough to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with you. Somebody lived a life in front of you that says, that's what I want to be. That's what I want to do because that's what God's called us to be. Come on, somebody. Paul said, I didn't come to you in enticing words of man's wisdom, but I come to you in the power of the Holy Spirit. Look, there's, look, I'm just a good southern redneck, a little redneck. 
I'm just, I'm not very eloquent. I use the ain't and I don't get all my grammar correct. It's all right. But I would rather walk in the presence of God and have a loving heart and compassion towards the lost and broken people willing to touch them. Look, sometimes I give people opportunity. And it hurts sometimes. Because I feel like everyone, everyone who accepts the Lord Jesus Christ has a place to serve. Everyone should be given an opportunity to serve in some form or fashion. Sometimes broken people are going to do broken things, right? And sometimes that can come back to bite me, but at the same time, you know what? I would rather sit before the throne room of God and say, Lord, I loved them, I cared for them, I wanted to see them operate in your plan, your purpose. And Lord, I'm, I, I, they made a mistake, but I still love them, right? I'd rather operate in that manner than to say, well, until they put it five years in, until they, you know, show me that, they, you know what? Thank you, Jesus, that when he saved me, he put me on a path automatically. I mean, look, the apostle Paul was a murderer one day, a, a, a persecutor of Christians one day, and the next way, he was the evangelist of God. God, help us. God gives us the power. He gives us the anointing. But what really, really sticks out in the scripture, it's, it says, and your sons... And your daughters will prophesy. Man, there is an all-out war against our sons and daughters. I mean, the enemy is out full force to destroy our young people and our children. It's not, it's, it's moved past political agendas. It's moved into an abomination of God, if you will. I mean, and, and they're just not trying to corrupt the, the children in educationally. It starts, how many understand that life according to the word of God, begins in the womb. Amen. Right? If you are a Bible-believing man or woman of God, then this word has to be the truth. Amen. And everything else that stands against the truth is a lie, a deception. It goes against what God said. It is not what God has authorized. It is not God's plan. This word is the living truth of God. We have to stand by the word of God. I mean, we understand if our sons and daughters 
are the voice, the voice of now and the voice of the future. Listen, your sons and daughters will prophesy. We need a voice of God in today. We need a prophetic voice in this hour. Our schools need a prophetic voice in this day. Our society needs a prophetic voice in this day. And the enemy wants to silence the voice of the children because he understands that they are the empowerment of God. And when the Spirit of God is poured out on them, they will become effective, fervent in the kingdom of God. No wonder the enemy says in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right? So if we look at society and we see anything that is murderous, right? We see anything that is the stealing away of and the destruction of things then we understand it is not of God. It is not of God. God has not called us in such a way to bring destruction, to kill, steal, or destroy. That is the thief, which if you think of thief, it is criminal, it is illegal, it is ungodly, it is unrighteous, it is lawlessness. And when those things begin to be perpetuated in society, we become a lawless, illegal, corrupt society. Y'all sure are quiet today. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. That's why we as a church have to be life-giving. We have to be a place where well, when people who are broken and hurting, when they're looking for something that's different from the destruction of the world and the, and the apathy and heartache of the world. They're looking for something that's going to give life into them, that's going to pour hope into them. Man, I'm thankful for our worship time. I'm thankful for our word time. But you know one of my favorite times of the week is on Monday night? Because People come in with the understanding we're all broken. Sometimes on Sunday mornings, we don't have that mentality. We come in and we, we, we look our best. We look good. We, don't, we mask our brokenness. We try not to let anybody know that we have issues. And we try not to tell anybody what's going on in our life because we don't want to feel like we're lesser of a person or that, we are, that we're broken or anything like that. But yet in reality is, is that this is the hour where the church comes together and says, you know what? We are here because everybody needs Jesus and we need Jesus just like everybody else. We're broken Every one of us has a hurt, habit, or hang-up. Every one of us has something that we're struggling with, something that we fight with all the time. Even the Apostle Paul talked about a thorn in the flesh. He, the man of God who wrote so many of the, of the New Testament, yet he himself struggled. The enemy is trying to, even from from the womb to the tomb trying to destroy the body of Christ. What does Psalms 139 tell us? 
for you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. Did you all understand what that Another version says cover. The, the word wove or cover literally means to build a hedge around. It, it means to defend. In other words, what the scripture literally says is that you formed my inward parts, you defended me in the womb. God, help us. God, help us to realize that what the Word of God says. Oh, pastor, you're getting political. No, I'm not getting political. I'm getting biblical. Amen. Biblical. I mean, what is abortion? It is, it is irresponsibility. My mom always told me, if you go and play with fire, you're going to get burned. Right? So what is abortion is irresponsibility. Somebody says, well, you know, what about for issues of rape or incest? Did you realize that, that less than 4% of abortions are for any of those factors? 96 plus percent of abortions are done because of irresponsibility. So in other words... We have not raised a responsible society. And because we want to be irresponsible, we don't want to be called out on our sin. We don't want any accountability for sin. We don't want any of those things. Look, it's, 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 no, it's, it's just like going down the road at 75 miles an hour and expecting not to get pulled over. You're going to get pulled over. But, but in this scenario, you're not just getting pulled over. You are destroying and murdering a life. God help us. I mean, it, it just doesn't stop with abortion. Somebody says, the church, all they care about is the unborn. They don't care about the children who are actually... No, look, we have a responsibility. I'm thankful for Mana Ministries... Because we, we not only feed families, but during, during off-seasons, we actually put together little boxes for children to take care of children when they're out of school so they have something to eat. We care for the whole family. We care for children from birth to, like I said, from the womb to the tomb. But not only are, are, is the womb under attack, unborn babies under attack, but look, our children are being attacked in the school. The educational system is under attack. Because whatever happened to math being math? Right? Whatever happened to science being science? And whatever happened to history being history? But we see that even in the core subjects, there's a rewriting inside those core subjects to put in deception and lies and, and, and not even factual truth. There's a blurring of the lines. There's a rewriting of history to try to make it say something it never happened. So instead of education, it's indoctrination. And the thing is, is this didn't start yesterday. This didn't start, you know, well, they're trying to push this agenda on us now that we got this new administration. Absolutely not. It's been going on for 20, 30 years 
and, and, and we have been suddenly desensitized to all these things going on and all of a sudden it flies in our face. We're like, when did this happen? Guys, we better wake up. We better wake up. Our young people, man, no wonder the word of God tells in Revelation chapter 12, woe unto you who have children in this season, right? Because, man, our children are facing so much travesty and devastation, and yet they are the prophetic voice of this hour. We've got to be the ones who help raise them up. We've got to be the ones who help protect them from all that's going on. Look, it's not just educationally or abortion. It goes on with pedophilia. It goes on with sex trafficking. I mean, listen, there was a, a, a gentleman trying to justify pedophilia the other day. I'm like, are you crazy? Well, they're attracted to young kids. No, that is absolutely of the devil. That's absolutely the destruction of society. It's absolutely the degradation of mankind. God, help us to see the awfulness, awfulness of what the, the world is doing and, and what they're trying to do. I mean, when they legalized pornography, did they not think that this would trickle down? I mean, look, there are people trying to marry their dog today. Well, you know, where does it end? If, you can marry, if a man can marry a man, a woman can marry a woman, where does it end? I can marry my dog. If I want to, I can marry my dog. I love that dog. It sleeps with me every night. It licks me on the ear. makes me feel good. You insane? God, help us. The Word of God says, for you formed my inner parts. You, you wove. You put a hedge about me. You covered me. You defended me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. How did he make us? Wonderful, right? In his image, right? If we're made in his image, listen to what the word of God says in Genesis chapter 127. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. It's not a political issue. It's a, it's a biblical issue. And it's, you know what? I, I said, you know what? I want to make sure that these words are correct because I don't want to. So I went back and I looked at male and female. Well, guess what they mean? Male and female. There's no blurring of the lines. There's no, I mean, what we've created is an identity crisis in our society. We've there's this new term called gender diasporia. So in other words, we've made everything some kind of psychological issue. How many of, in your time of, as a young person ever had identity crisis? Right? I should be real, right? Some of y'all had spiked hair. I remember my I remember my mom gave me a perm. <laughs> I looked like the orphan Andy, Annie. 
sing like her too. <laughs> it, it wasn't just like it wasn't just like a box, dude. It was round. It was. You talk about identity crisis, right? I remember when I was trying to, you know, my, my I had older brothers and they were always, you know, fixing their hair right. I, I, I looked like alfalfa. I'd comb my, I'd comb my hair and put a, you know, little part in the middle, and it went from here all the way back to back here. Now I can't part because ain't nothing back there. <laughs> identity crisis. I had identity crisis of what I should look like. I had an identity crisis of, of who I should be with. Should I be with that good crowd or be with that bad crowd? And sexual abuse will cause you to have other identity crises. But thank God for godly parents who affirmed that I was a male, right? Thank God for parents who's willing to look at their children and say, that's not who you are. You were born this way. In Argentina, a few years back, a mother was trying to let a five-year-old child decide what they wanted to wear, a dress or pants. This little boy five years old, didn't have the ability to identify what he was. He needed the affirmation of his parents to understand that he was a boy. He was a boy. Sadly, is this not, not only is the society attacking, but the, the parents in our society have lost their ever-loving mind. And the further you go away from the Bible, guess What? the further they lose their mind. God help us. I don't know if I was supposed to go there today, but anyway. I mean, when you think of the base of society, the base of the world, all the Word of God says in, I think it's 1 John, see, 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, all that is in the world, right, Hear this, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, right? These are the base of sin. And look, I get it that that we, these things like alcoholism and drug addiction, We've made them now diseases, but what we don't grasp is because we're afraid to blur the lines with, with science, well, that, that's religious and that's science. No, look, how many understand that religious things, spiritual things, affect your chemical makeup? It does. And so, if I, if I hit drugs... It literally affects my chemical makeup. Matter of fact, science tells me that if I take a, a hit of drugs, that it numbs my frontal lobe. Guess what the frontal lobe does? It's the logical part of my being. And so if the logical part of my being is numb 
and not processing, when I get around the things that I'm not supposed to be around, I'm like a three-year-old child. I can't have that. Why can't I have that? Because my mind tells me that it's okay. But once we get older, right, mature, our mind develops and we recognize that if I keep eating that candy, I'm going to have rotted out teeth. If I keep eating that candy, I might have diabetes. But we've made it, well, it's just a social disorder. Is it a social disorder? Yes, it's a disorder because Satan has allowed sin to disorder our society. But in the bottom line, sin is still sin. It's still sin. And Jesus died for all of our sins. Amen? Jesus died so that we could be saved from the brokenness. Jesus died to change our life, to turn us around. I'm closing. I could go on and on on this, boys and girls. Genesis chapter 1, 27 says, God created man in his own image, right? Okay, so look, Psalms 127 says, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. They're not just naughty-nosed brats who aggravate you to death. They're gifts of God. Gifts, think about that. In reality, they're on loan to us in a sense. And we're stewards of what God's given us. My daddy always said, don't you borrow anything without returning it better than you gave it. Right? If you borrow a car, you put gas in it before you take it back. You make sure it's in just as good a shape as when you borrowed it when you return it, right? That's the way, I mean, that's the way I was raised. That's the way that I was taught. I think it's pretty good, right? When I think of the gifts that God's given me and my children, I want to invest in them. That scripture goes on in verse in, in Psalms 27. They're the fruit of the womb. It says the fruit of the womb is a reward. Verse 4, listen to this. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Wow. It didn't say like in the hands of a warrior. Like in the hands of a warrior. A warrior is one who's prepared for battle. A warrior is one who's trained and equipped to direct that arrow in the right direction. Our children, our young people, this young generation is in an all-out war. I mean, it's fighting tooth and nail. It's ugly. What they have to listen to walking down the hallways of their school. What they have to decipher whether it's truth or not. All of this is what they're being hammered with every day. We drink a cup of coffee. We read the news. Awesome. That's awful. But what it should do, it should drive us to our knees to pray 
for our young people. It should drive us to our knees to to go into spiritual warfare for this next generation. Jesus, in Matthew 19, says, he said, let the children alone. In other words, suffer the children. The the other word that's, that's used there is permit the children to come to me. I bet you there's a whole lot of kids that would love to be in church, but the parents don't permit them to be there. It's truth. I, look, did I begrudge it at the time? Absolutely. But I wasn't given a choice. Because this is where we come to connect to the body of Christ. This is where we come to to be encouraged to grow together. You can sit at home, and I'm not begrudging those who have health issues that have to be at home, and I get that. I understand that. But if you have the ability to get out, God said, do not forsake the assembling of yourself together as a matter of some, right? God's called us to come together, but not just in this arena. I encourage you, get connected in a small group. Get connected in a 12-step. Get connected in men's or women's or youth. Get connected in SWAT. Find a connection place. Grow together. Because at your lowest moments, it's those who you have grown with that's able to step with you and encourage you through it. Look, we don't come in here to do church. We come in here to serve, to be the church. Amen. And our children, our young people are watching. This is a, this is a very alarming statistic. And it's gotten worse over time. It used to be that 20% of the 20% of the people did 80% of the work. And I'm not I'm not speaking specifically of here. I'm talking about in general. Statistically, it's about 5% of the people that do 95% of the work now within the body of Christ. We're called to serve. We're called to be active. Somebody says, "Well, I just come to be fed." Look, if, if this is the only meal you get each week, you're starving to death. Try doing that in your physical life. Just eat lunch on Sundays. Don't eat anything else the rest of the week. I probably need to do that a little bit, but anyway. We've got to get into God's word we've got to jump in and support and invest in our young people look they're beat up by the world they don't need to be beat up by the church you guys are the coolest cats I know Jesus said permit the children to come to me do not detain them do not hold them back 
And then he did something powerful. He laid his hands on them. Now, anytime I've seen the Lord lay his hands on somebody, there's a result, right? For the leper, it was a cleansing. For the blind, it was a healing. For the lame, it was a healing. He laid his hands on them. Young people, I want you to come. Come on up here. I know we're having graduation Sunday in a couple weeks, but man, I just want to pray over you guys. Come on up here. Up here. Look at this group of handsome young men and women. Amen. Come on, right? If you have a son or daughter up here, I want you to come. I want you to lay your hands on them. If you're a teacher, grandparents, if you're a teacher, grandparent, a Sunday school teacher, would you come stand in front of these guys? Bill, you're a teacher. He... Amen. Man, it's time to stand with this generation look I get it their ways seem to be different from our ways but Jesus the word of God even tells us that my ways are not your ways think about that the Lord's looking at us saying man there's a bunch of crazies their ways are not my ways But yet we pass that same on and Jesus loved us enough to die on the cross for us, right? They might seem different. They might not do what we did or they might not have the same methods of how they do what they do. But that doesn't mean that they're any less valuable. They are just as important in the kingdom of God as we were and are. Amen? Would you guys lay your hands on these kids? If you want to come up and join, I don't want to detain you either. If you feel an urge to come up and lay your hands on some of these kids, come on. I want to pray over them because Joel tells us, and Peter reiterates in Acts chapter 2, he said, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. There's some prophets in this room, and I want to believe for them. Father, Lord, just as you said to the disciples, let, permit the youth, the children to come to me. Don't hold them back. And you laid hands on them. Today, we lay hands on these young people. God, we pray your anointing to be upon them, God. 
We pray that you will guard their heart, guard their mind. Lord, we understand the war that they are facing. We understand what they are going through, the struggles that they have. But Lord Jesus, you have called them out of darkness and into your marvelous light. You have said that they are the head and not the tail. You have said that you formed them in the womb, that you guarded them, you covered them, you protected them in the womb. And Lord, I pray that your spirit will be poured out on this young generation, God, that you will bless them, that you will encourage them, that they will be, God, your chosen generation, that they will be willing to share the gospel of Jesus Christ no matter what this world might try to say, no matter what this world might try to do, no matter what suffering they might face, I pray, God, you'll guard their heart, guard their mind, anoint them from on high, pour out your spirit on them and this church. Let us be a church that embraces this next generation, that empowers, that equips, that invests, that pours into them, Lord, that they become the discipled arrows in the direction that you want them to be warring against the enemy. And may we not be warriors, but let us be warriors for the kingdom of God. We praise you, Jesus, that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. We thank you, Jesus, that you have created them in your image. And Lord, just as you shared, let us imitate you in every way. Let us follow you in every way. Let us lift up your name for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Lord, I pray a blessing over these families, over these families right here. Blessings. Lord, bless them indeed. God, let your face shine on them. Lord, let them be a blessing wherever they go. Let your glory shine through them, Lord. Lord, let young people see the light of your love in their hearts. And Lord, let them be the voices in today's society to hear your truth and be transformed because of the message that they bear. Your word, even the Apostle Paul said, I bear in my body. God, let us bear the marks of Jesus Christ. Let us bear willingly what it takes to live for you. Let us be a witness in today's society. Empower them. Anoint them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We love you guys. We love you. You guys are amazing. Love you all. So glad you're here today. Uh, help us. Help us. Encourage our young people. But not only our youth and children, but our young couples. Man, it is a war. And we, wanna, we want you to know we're fighting for you. Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine on you. May he give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Wednesday night, remember tomorrow night, Monday night, we have a, a CR worship service. It's a great time. To, to, to be encouraged. Matter of fact, one of our own will be giving a testimony tomorrow night. Vicky's giving her testimony tomorrow night to come out tomorrow night. And then also Wednesday night, we're having a study in Galatians. We're on our third week. 
And I'm sure you'll enjoy that, a worship time and study. Come on out.